Hello, and welcome to the RCC Weekly Sermon Podcast. This week, Pastor Kenny taught from Joel chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, revealing God's heart for us to always turn to Him in every season. Remembrance Community Church, friends, family, neighbors, or anybody just popping in, my name is Kenny Keating, Pastor Kenny, and I'm so glad that you're here. I want to give you three ways that you can prepare for our time in the Word. Number one, if you're planning on taking communion with us at the end of our service, I just want to invite you to um, go grab uh, a cracker, uh, grab a piece of bread. The preference is unleavened bread um, and also grape juice and red wine. We will be taking communion together at the end of this service. Um, The second thing is on your screen, you should see a number. Um, Go ahead and add that into your phone And at any time during this uh, message, if something stands out to you, um, a comment, uh, a nugget that is a takeaway for you, please text that to us. One way that we continue to make this a corporate gathering is we read those together at the end of our service. It it ends up being one of the best parts of the service. So text in any time at that number. Um, The third thing is turn in your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Joel. Now, you'll probably need to go to the table of contents um, and then find the page it's on uh, and then look for Joel, the Old Testament prophet, Joel. Um, And we'll meet you there in a moment. Um, And as you go there, you're going to see that the Bible is made up of 66 books. There's 39 in the Old Testament. There's 27 in the New Testament. Uh, 66 books, wildly diverse in many ways. In time periods, it's written over thousands of years. Um, In authors, all different types of personalities and probably Enneagram numbers are writing and, uh, and all different types of circumstances. But they all tie together and have one grand storyline. And I think we're gonna see that today. And one of the key plots in this mega narrative is we have a covenant-making God a covenant-making God whose people are often unfaithful. We are often unfaithful. But this amazing God remains faithful in every circumstance. Scott McKnight, one of my favorite modern authors, he defines God's covenant as a rugged commitment. We are like children who continually make bad choices and fail to respect our dad in heaven. And we can always come to our senses, though, no matter what. And when we turn to God, we always find his loving, open arms. This is a key narrative all throughout the Bible, a covenant-making God who keeps his covenant. He is faithful even when us as his people are unfaithful. And Jesus tells a compelling story in Luke 15 about this very thing. It's called often the prodigal son or the wayward son. And it goes something like this. A Jewish man has two sons. One of them is radically rebellious and disrespectful to his dad. And he demands his inheritance now. Now, this would have been unbelievable to the Jewish audience to hear a son who demands his inheritance before his father even passes away. But that's exactly what Jesus tells in this story. He, he, he took his money and he bails to a far off country. He parties, 
He spends his money on good food, women, and wine. Jesus tells us that time passes. He does this for a while and everything's fine. And then Jesus gives this really important biblical narrative fact in the story. This is a detail you don't want to miss. This guy is partying, and then Jesus adds this fact. A famine took place in the land. There's a famine in the land. And along with this, this wayward son runs out of money, and he ends up getting a job feeding pigs, which if you, if you know, then you know. To the Jewish, this is code for he hit rock bottom. He hits rock bottom, and then Jesus adds one more thing that you have to understand in this story is really important. First, there's a famine in the land. He hits rock bottom, and then Jesus adds this fact, and he came to his senses. He came to his senses. And this causes him to rethink his life. Uh, he wasn't sure what... Uh, uh, he, he considers his life... Uh, he's, he's pursued happiness, hedonism... Uh, he's, he's, he's ends up hungry, lonely, and ashamed, and he comes to his senses. And he, he decides he's going to go home, and he doesn't know what to expect when he goes home. He wasn't sure what to expect, but it, it had to be better than what he was experiencing now in the pig trough. And then next, Jesus paints this amazingly beautiful picture that has over the history of the church melted even the toughest guy's heart. It says, when his dad saw him from far away, he sprinted to meet him. He greeted him with a huge hug, and he threw the biggest welcome home party that you can imagine. And so Jesus gives this picture in this story of what our Heavenly Father is like. He's a covenant-keeping God who loves his kids with a rugged commitment. And when, wherever we're at, at any point in our life when we lose our way, we can always come to our senses. And God is waiting with open arms for our return. And this is a sweeping story throughout the Bible. And countless stories in history have been told about how people have come to their senses and turned to this God and found salvation. Right now, I want to take about three minutes, and I want to share with you three stories of some of the people that go to Remembrance Community Church, stories about coming to your senses and coming home and finding God. Let's watch those together now. I came to my senses in my early 20s, and prior to that, um, I did grow up in a church setting and did have some biblical knowledge, but decided I didn't want that, I guess, um, and just lived uh, after lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, and things got really ugly. I spent a lot of my life running from any and all religion. Had a lot of hurt associated with Catholicism, which stemmed from my biological father, which I think made it very hard to connect with there being a God. Prodigal son, man. I was raised in the church my whole life, and um, 
Many times in my life though, I just found myself going through the motions of it, you know, not really putting my heart into the relationship with God. But eventually, even with my friends, church friends even, uh, we started moving toward the party scene, you know, we just followed each other. And I was 21 years old uh, and it was the worst point. You know, I was living on my own, I was indulging whatever I pleased and, you know, I thought life was the best, but uh, it, it got old really quick. There also came a point in my life where um, kind of a, a traumatic thing happened where I was forced to have to um, forgive someone that was close to me and uh, found it very difficult to do that. And that hindered my relationship with God greatly. I knew that he said, if you can't forgive others, then I, not, I can't forgive you. So I kind of ran from it for a really long time, was scared of what that meant for me and how that would look. And it really took my friend Nicole kind of opening my eyes to how great God is. She never really talked much about it, but she showed me all of the ways in her life that he had shown up for her. And I think that kind of really made me desire that for myself. I didn't realize it then, but I know now that that was God kind of bringing me back home. After a while, the words of my family and my pastors, they were ringing more clear than ever in my life, you know, and that God-sized hole that we have, um, it couldn't be filled with anything except right relationship with Him, and I knew that. Through crying out to Him again and really like pleading and um, doing my best to forgive, like He began to show up again. And As much as you put an effort forward, I think He'll meet you there and some and just continue the momentum of walking with him. Since that, I have really opened myself up to a lot of things and I've seen so much growth in my life because of that. I'm so grateful to have found him again. When I finally humbled myself before my parents and before God, within the first three months, God answered my prayer of a community of young people that were seeking for a deeper relationship with him. Um, my community is what helped me through my life, and I knew when I moved here, it's exactly what I needed to find in a church, a community-minded church, and I'd say that's exactly what I found. God knows that we are prone to wander, and like any good father, he wants his kids to know that no matter what happens in life, you can always come to your senses and turn back to him. Even if you slip and fall, you can always turn back to God and run or even crawl or know this, that even if you start your way in your journey, we have a God who sees that and sprints towards you and wraps you in his loving arms. This is why I believe, like we looked at last week, God gave clear terms with his covenant promise through Moses. Last week, we looked in Deuteronomy at the terms of God's rugged commitment, his covenant. You can go back and listen, but I just want to give you the gist again of God's rugged covenant commitment. And you'll find these in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and 30, mainly. But it, it, you'll see if you read those that, that uh, if you obey God, it says you'll find blessings in your life. I mean, common sense. And, and number two, if you rebel, uh, then things will start to go badly. 
And Moses lists a number of clear signs that things are going badly. These are intended to be like a check engine light in your car. They're warning signs. And when you see the warning signs, you're supposed to take notice and, and cry out for help. And among these that Moses lists in Deuteronomy, one is famine in the land. Famine in the land. So you might ask in the, in the Luke 15 story, the prodigal son, why does Jesus add this detail about there, then there was a famine in the land? Jesus is trying to connect this with Moses' covenant. The original audience should have heard there was a famine in the land and went back to Deuteronomy 28 and 30 and said, oh, this is a time that come to our senses and come back to God. And that's exactly what you see the prodigal son do. That's exactly what Jesus says. He came to his senses and he ran back to his father. He also mentions, Moses does, that when the vines are dried up and the figs are withered. In the Bible, vines, wine, and figs, a great food to eat, these are symbols of God's blessing. And when they dry up, they're signs that things aren't going well. He also mentions that when you see specifically locust plagues, that's one of the check engine lights for Israel. Turn back to God. Come to your senses. And then Moses declares specifically in Deuteronomy 30, he says, when these things happen, come to your senses. Return with all your hearts to the Lord. So again, we see Jesus using this language to connect it with God's big overarching message throughout the Bible, that God's desire is for his children to know that you can always come to your senses and return to your father. And so in this, we see the Bible maintaining a consistent message of hope. And the prophet Joel is a part of this biblical thread. So I want you to keep these things in mind, the, the idea of the covenant and the warning signs. And when you see the warning signs, there's this, this ingrained message, come to your senses and come to God. Here you're going to hear Joel point out some of these signs. So I want you to listen like the original audience would have heard these signs, calling them from God. I'm inviting you, come home. So turn with me in Joel chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, and let's read together with Elena from her home. Take it away, Elena. Grain and drink offerings have been cut off from the house of the Lord or mourn. The fields are destroyed and the land grieves. Indeed, the grain is destroyed, the new wine is dried up, and the fresh oil fails. Be ashamed, you farmers, wail, you vine dressers, over the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. The grapevine is dried up, and the fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the date palm, and the apple all the trees of the orchard have withered. Indeed, human joy has dried up. Again, Joel's audience here is hearing the check engine lights from the Mosaic Covenant are going off. Don't do what Pastor Kenny does way too often. Don't put electrical tape over the check engine light in your car. It never goes away. It doesn't fix it. It's not out of sight, out of mind. 
Don't ignore it and hope it goes away. You need to deal with it. Turn to God who is ready to receive you and who is able to help you and heal you. So let me ask you this. Do you have any check engine lights going off in your life? Is there any anxiety? As C.S. Lewis calls anxiety an affliction, not a sin. But it's where you run in prayer when you feel anxious. Are you struggling with anger? A lot of us are. It's getting stirred up with, the, with, with this time and this season and all the stress. Is there addiction in your life? Is there broken relationships? Is there brokenheartedness? Or is there crude thoughts or crazy circumstances? My life's a mess. And these are just the A's, the B's, and the C's of life. Perhaps if any of these are going off or something else that you just know is a check engine light, perhaps God is calling out to your heart right now. Perhaps these are loving warning signs, inviting you to surrender and run to his arms, to come to your senses and to run to Jesus. And that is exactly what Joel prescribes in Joel 1, 13 and 14, another section from Joel. So let's go to Nikita and let's listen along to Joel 1, 13 and 14. Dress in sackcloth and lament, you priests. Wail, you ministers of the altar. Come and spend the night in sackcloth, you ministers of my God because grain and drink offerings are withheld from the house of your God. Announce a sacred fast. Proclaim a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the residents of the land at the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. He starts off dress in sackcloth. Sackcloth was a garment of goat's hair or camel's hair worn during the Old Testament times in mourning or repentance. This was an outward posture to match their inward, humble attitude of surrender and repentance. They were turning uh, from, from the inside out. They were turning from sin and shame, and they were turning towards the God who saves and heals. The Hebrew word often associated with this is shuv, S-H-U-V, shuv. Shuv could be translated to turn. Like if you were walking one way and a friend called to you, hey, Kenny, and you would shuv and you would turn, redirect, and go towards your friend. Or if you were coming from one location and leaving, maybe you were exiting the house and somebody said, you forgot something, and you would shuv, you would return back to that space, return or turn. Another word that we often associate and it's often translated as repent. Repentance is a, is a great word of changing direction, changing thinking, changing your ways. Shove. Dallas Willard, a great theologian and philosopher from, from USC, he, he said, repentance is not beating your head on the floor or feeling bad about your sins, it is to rethink your thinking so as to change the way you've been thinking and acting 
We repent in light of the gospel of Jesus. See, Jesus' gospel is this. At any point, we can come to our senses and we can turn from our sin and we can turn to God and find forgiveness. And it involves this idea of shuv or repentance. We shouldn't have a picture of some self-righteous dude who has a sign and a scowl telling everybody that they're messed up and they need to repent. It's not the voice telling you that you're not good enough. These are not the messages of repentance that we see Jesus and the scriptures proclaiming. Repentance is a gift of God's forgiveness. Repentance is a chance to wipe the slate clean. Repentance is an invite to be honest before yourself, others, and God, and to know where you can run. It's an invite from a good father to to come to your senses and to come home. And who exactly is this for, this message of come to your senses and come home? Is it for the person who wandered from God? Maybe that's you. You wandered from God. Is it for the person who's never connected with God or religion? It just never made sense to you. Yes, it's for both of those, both of you. But it's not just for those maybe obvious categories. Look what Joel says. He says this. He says, come to the Lord and find his warm embrace. It's for everybody. And the words he used, listen, he goes, he goes, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land. Gather the elders. Gather everybody. Translation, no neighbor left behind. This is for everybody. Last week, we see Joel addressing the drunkards, didn't we? Awake and turn to God. This week, we see Joel addressing the priests. He addressed the priests, the party people, the prostitutes, and everyone in between. Come. And we have to ask, what what might the modern-day equivalent be of putting on sackcloth? What would it look like for us today to put on sackcloth in this shuv, repentance, and redirection to come to our senses and come to God? Well, it means deep humility. It means honesty. It means acknowledging your sin and your brokenness. It is an act of surrender to God for help and healing. Maybe it looks like getting down on your knees even right now in humble surrender. Maybe it's simply being where you're at but closing your eyes. Maybe now isn't a good time to experience this and you want to schedule some time this week to to get on your knees and, and do some business with God, coming to your senses, humbling yourself, surrendering yourself, crying out to God, asking for him to come and meet you. And I just want to let you know that you're going to find a warm embrace and perhaps the biggest welcoming party 
that you've ever experienced. So if you're tracking with what we're talking about here, if you realize that God is calling you closer to himself, maybe you, you, you've been a Christian for a long time, but you're in a season or a rut or you're stuck and you just feel God calling you closer, deeper, farther. Maybe you haven't left physically, but you checked out mentally in your faith with the church, with worship. And God's just gently calling you like, wake up, sleeper. Come back. Come into my arms. To lay down anything that's in the way, any attitude, any past issues or sin, really anything. And if that's you, I want to lead you through a simple exercise of surrender and turning to God. It's an exercise of, of putting on sackcloth, maybe, and shuv, repentance. I want to first ask you to close your eyes if you're able. If you're driving or you're keeping your kids safe, that's okay. But allow yourself freedom to be completely honest. How do you feel right now? If it's heavy, invite God to come lift your weight. If you're numb, not feeling much, ask God to soften your heart. Whatever you are feeling, invite God into it. Now, take a deep breath and invite the Holy Spirit to share the space with you right now. As you think of the current condition of your heart, is there any obvious sin that comes to mind? Are there any more subtle attitudes or negative thoughts or a desire to withdraw, to bail? Is there any more hidden junk, maybe a sense of shame or a prideful defensiveness? I don't need this. Now take another deep breath. On your next deep breath, cry out to God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Maybe a few times, have mercy on me, a sinner. Maybe even one more time, just so that your heart can catch up with what your thoughts are doing. Now, I want to invite you to choose to believe this promise from 1 John 1, 9. And the promise goes like this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to invite you even to say it boldly out loud right now. I am forgiven. Thank you for listening to the RCC Weekly Sermon Podcast. 
You can find all our sermons online at remembrancecommunity.org forward slash sermons. Thank you for listening.